From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, normal or crazy, you decide. Uh, Good morning. Welcome to Open Line on TNT Radio. Happy hump day. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of November, 2023. As always, we are live, we are uncensored, and we are unscripted. But you can see our faces now too. Uh, So if you go down on our website, halfway down, uh, you can access our live stream on tntradio.live. You can see our beautiful faces and uh, you can Mm. tell us what you think as well on the online chat. Um, uh, I've got a confession uh, this morning. You may have already guessed I have the lurgy. And uh, when I got a sore throat last night, uh, I was wondering if I'd be able to do the show. But I was also hoping uh, I might be like uh, Phoebe from Friends, if you've ever seen that episode. She gets a beautiful, deep, uh, like sexy, husky voice and it makes her singing better. And I was hoping uh, that would be the same on radio and uh, and I'd sound really good uh, this morning. Instead, you sound like Johnny thinking... Cash. You sound like Johnny Cash. <laughs> instead, Not sexy at uh, all. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Rick. Yeah, I was going to say, instead, I think it makes me sound ill and like I'm bunged up with phlegm. Uh, so I'm sorry about that, guys. But uh, according to uh, Patrick Valance in the COVID inquiry, uh, based on my current symptoms and my lovely phlegmy deep voice, um, I think we need to shut Reading down immediately. Um, I need to take a COVID test. Um, I need to inform the government. Uh, the shops in Reading should shut. Um, I mean, goodness knows what damage uh, this cold could do to Reading Town Centre. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on in the COVID inquiry. We've not really covered it much here on Open Line. We predicted a long time ago uh, that it would be a scam. Um, it has been long and drawn out. Um, the findings are barely shown in the mainstream media, the negative ones they barely covered not even the yellow card any vaccine side effects any of the uh lockdown mental health uh but yesterday of course patrick valance comes out and he says uh we should have locked down harder and sooner and not only that uh, uh the covid inquiry uh says uh the eat out to help out remember that that caused the second uh wave and uh, the second lockdown so yeah um that that that's where we are at the moment so who knows what will be going on moving forward uh i think that inquiry is just uh designed uh for the kind of pushing of the who pandemic um treaty and uh, all they're trying to do is make it uh look like they're they're basically didn't do enough when in in actual fact uh, they're not even investigating the real facts. Uh, so no justice, no accountability taken. Uh, we didn't expect anything different, uh, but I think we should just all focus on feeling sorry for me instead, because uh, I'm mm. feeling sorry for myself with my cold. So poor old Natalie, you can you can tell me in the chat if you like and uh, send your sympathies uh, to me. Uh, but no, a really sad story I wanted to briefly cover yesterday. Um, I read yesterday evening, filled me uh, with tears, actually. In the morning, um, I saw about four young boys uh, went missing in Wales. 
uh, they had gone camping. And sadly, yesterday evening, uh, we found out uh, breaking news uh, that four bodies had been found in an upturned uh, vehicle in a ditch. And uh, those poor lads, um, they're literally uh, a year older, two years older than my own sons. Uh, that's probably why it hit me so much. And those uh, poor families uh, leading up to Christmas, that four lives gone um, and uh, absolutely tragic. But I think it shows us more than anything else. Uh, life is short. It, it, it can change in an instant overnight. And uh, we need to all be in the prison, present, live life uh, to the full and you know, you know, think of those families at the moment. Nobody's life should be restricted. Those boys before they died had many of those uh, their lives for three years of their lives restricted and they weren't able to go out. And, and that's devastating. So, you know, get out there, enjoy yourself, make the most of life because we don't know what's around the corner. Uh, so we'll take a quick break now and uh, we'll introduce Rick and Gemma here at TNT Radio. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, Rick. Morning, Gemma. How are we this morning? I'm good. So far, so good anyway. What about you, uh, Gemma, the Cooper Trooper? How are you doing? Yeah, Wednesday's a funny day for me. I don't know if you ever tune into the breakfast show here in the UK on TNT with me and Lembit, but I always go a little bit, well, some would say, weirder than I already am. <laughs> Today I was reading poetry in the breakfast show. I was doing all sorts of weird things because hump day really gets me because I think half of it is you've got as much to go. You've already just done, haven't you? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Something happens to my brain. It's short circuits. And then Thursday and Friday, I'm absolutely flying. But yeah, this morning I was reading Rudyard Kipling's If, you know, if you can keep your head when the whole world around you is losing it and blaming it on you. I kind of thought that was very apt as to where we are in the world, mass hysteria on everything. But we've got to keep our heads. And it ties in beautifully, Natalie, with what you've just said. Life is short. Life is precious. Live in the present moment. And uh, so, yeah, it's carried on the theme that I was kind of on, on my hump day marathon of madness earlier. So that's where I am. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You mentioned also, yeah. Natalie, about, uh, you know, uh, you coming down with a lurgy and, you know, should you lock down all of Reading? And this whole inquiry that's currently going on at the minute, uh, the so-called COVID inquiry, which, of course, we know nobody's going to be prosecuted. Nobody's going to face any charges as a result of this. The best thing they could do is say, listen, with the benefit of hindsight, we could have done some things differently. However, uh, lessons have been learned. We'll take them forward into the next pandemic, which they're already talking about. If you actually go back, to Chris Whitty's defence, believe it or not, if you go back to the first statements that he actually made to Parliament and to the people in the medical profession when this scandemic was initiated, he actually made perfect sense. He said, listen, the chances of you dying of this is almost zero. If you do die, you're going to be an old, old person with multiple comorbidities. You don't need the mask. You don't need the lockdown. There's no need for any hysteria. It's much ado about nothing. And it was the same with masking. Uh, the government was against it. Uh, they said it's not going to serve any purpose. And Johnson was famously uh, lambasted for saying, let's just let it rip through the population. Let it take its course, whatever it is, and we'll be fine. And then, of course, around about April, uh, March, April of 2022, uh, then everything did a U-turn and everything changed. And that's when I believe the entire narrative shifted towards this lockdown, which led on to these jabs and so on. And yes, there are actually people out there still stuck in the COVID time warp. 
I, I mean, I've forgotten about it. I forget about it until you hear, oh, I've tested for this or I'm going to do this. And I'm like, are you still living in 2020 for crying out? Like, come on. It's nothing to be worked up about. And of course, most of the people that are falling foul of this uh, so-called COVID infection are the ones that have been injected multiple times against it. I don't know anybody that hasn't been jabbed that's uh, complaining of even being ill at the minute with the exception of Mali at the minute, of course. But generally speaking, much ado about nothing. And yes, uh, they are trying to restoke this up again, but I don't think we're having any of it, are we? No, I mean, I've, I've, I've even talking to friends, I'll pass that on to Gemma as well, but I've, I've even people, I had a, di- like a, a dinner party last week and um, my friends are vaccinated and they've all changed their mind. They said they'd never have a vaccine. They're really dead set against it. It was nice to hear a, a change in opinion from people, Gemma. Yeah, that, that's very, 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 very encouraging. I hope your friends are all right, though. I hope they haven't changed their mind because of an adverse reaction. I hope they've just no, had the veil they're, lifted. They're and actually seen- okay. Yeah. Good. They so they've had their perception shift where they realise, you know, yeah. they've been had. That that's fantastic. Um, I just think that the language coming out of the inquiry, because I've been I discussed it at length this, this morning with Lembert, the language coming out of the inquiry, you know, this this painting this picture of chaos and dysfunction within the government that the Prime Minister can't read a basic graph, nobody could understand the science. And uh, Patrick Valance actually did say that he was talking to his counterparts around the world, and they said everybody who was a scientist, uh, they found that their leaders and politicians couldn't get their head around the information because they're too thick and they're too stupid. You know, the inference being that world leaders aren't fit for purpose. And when you look at the language of the WHO treaty, the UN is right behind it. And the UN issued the statement saying it will become apparent that future pandemics cannot be handled by by world leaders or countries on their own, you know, and that's exactly what's coming out. When you join the dots, it's the globalist playbook in full effect. And uh, I think this inquiry is doing exactly what it's set out to do, which is make us think, oh yeah, hand it over to somebody else who we never voted for, never elected, don't really know what they do, except (laughs) control every single bit of our lives. So it's very kind of subtle what's happening there. Um, And I think Rick, you make a good point of like, it's no, it's not 2020 anymore and we have moved on, but we need to keep such a close eye on this mm. and, and get behind all the campaigns that are saying like the World Health, uh, World Council for Health based in the UK, they're saying exit the who, it's the right thing to do. And they've got petitions and campaigns. We need to, you know, be be mindful of that, that we, we should be fighting this because uh, once it comes in, we're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it. Absolutely. But just on a lighthearted note, uh, Nigel in the online chat says, I hear Professor Neil Ferguson had hump days too. So uh, I'll let you think about that while, um, while we uh, move on. <laughs> All over the place in COVID, apparently. But that's not yeah. being investigated. Uh, so, yeah. What's our story today, Gemma? Well, it's a victory for common sense and, uh, and, and uh, you know, progress in, in our government, actually, which is amazing. Um, so a minister's Uh, telling uh, the schools, it's the Equalities Minister, actually, there's been a whole debate going on behind the scenes for a year now between the Equalities Minister and the Education Minister. But they have come out today and they have said that schools will be discouraged, strongly discouraged, from letting pupils change their pronouns uh, and talking about, you know, being a different gender. Um, And they it's guidance, not law, but it's a step in the right direction. And these rules are going to be very, very strict. Head teachers are being told they must abide by the Equalities Act, and they must keep changing rooms and toilets separate for girls and boys. 
Uh, and the Equalities Minister has fought hard behind the scenes. She really has. And she's toughened up the rules after a year of negotiating. And this is really, really good news because obviously, like with so many things, the climate agenda being one, you know, it does start in schools. It does start in schools. And, and the day that this good news has come out, um, we see in America that a transgender swimmer, Megan Cortez Fields, has smashed the 100-yard butterfly women's record swimming after competing in a male team for three years and being described as a very mediocre male swimmer. She, at the weekend, at her college in New Jersey, smashed the college record uh, and beat all the women, unsurprisingly. So, you know, this is a young person. And this ideology, is it, it's, it's beginning, you know, in schools saying, oh, we won't tell parents if you want to change your pronouns. We won't tell parents if you think you're a girl or a boy, whatever. That's all being clamped down on now. So hopefully it means we won't see as many things like this swimmer smashing the records that sparked a huge backlash in the in America, actually, which is which is fantastic. But also, you know, there's a there's a footballer in South Yorkshire here in the UK who quit yesterday. She's called Francesca Needham. She identifies as a woman. She's a trans woman. Um, but the, they, she had to quit because no other football teams want to play against this South Yorkshire team. Because when you look at the photographs of her, she looks like a huge, big, beefy bloke and everyone was too terrified to take her on on the pitch. So hopefully, and she's fairly young as well. So hopefully this today, this new rules, this toughening up and saying, no, girls are girls, boys are boys, separate toilets, separate changing rooms. We're not having any more of this. It's a really, really positive, positive step in the right direction for what is an, an agenda. So this yeah. footballer, is it is it a man or a woman or what? You said she looks like a big, beefy bloke. Is it a big, beefy well, bloke is, or what? It is a bloke. Well, well, it's a man then. Polite. It's not a she and she <laughs> doesn't look like a man. It's a man. And I think that's the problem here. We're, we shouldn't be referring to women as men and men as women. Uh, that's why the mainstream media keep pushing this garbage and people, generally speaking, are buying into it. It's a man or a woman. That's it. So it's not a woman, a man who looks like a big, beefy woman. It's a man. End of story. And common sense hopefully uh, is starting to prevail here how we ever got to this place in our history is uh, i think if we do have any future uh, if we do make it past the next 10 years with an uh, apocalyptic obliteration here this period between 2020 and 2023 will be looked at as the most insane crazy twisted inverted screwed up period in all of human history that for example you actually have men using women's toilets and it being uh, deep defensive if you challenge them about it or competing against women in uh, sports like cycling or weightlifting or martial arts or boxing or whatever it happens to be or children being told by teachers we can have little secrets together about your sexuality this is the age in which we live and it's insane and i think jam if we can listen back to these shows maybe, I don't know, if they're still around in five or ten years' time, we'll be shaking our heads collectively, all three of us going, can you believe we were actually talking about that? Can you believe this was actually happening in the UK and Ireland and right across the world at this time in crazy old 2023? So let's hope as you've rightly said, this is a, 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 a little bit of optimism here that the schools are starting to revert back to common sense again and not acknowledge this again. And who knows, old Esther McVeigh, uh, who's been appointed as the Minister for Common Sense and Anti-Wokeism uh, by uh, Rishi Sunak. Now, maybe, maybe she'll start cracking her little whip. I don't know, but it is it is a good thing that this is uh, starting to be reversed. Nat, what do you reckon? Yep. Yeah, Jeff Rose says uh, in the online chat, uh, smash the record, hey, what a clever dick. So I thought that was quite good. Uh, but I, uh, 
I uh, uh, wanted to say about that story from the uh, Yorkshire footballer. Um, uh, I, what I read was that it was actually the women in her, his team that were refusing to play because he'd actually injured people very badly. I mean, he was huge, twice the size in the picture. And um, I think he'd broken someone's leg. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, um, they, uh, the, his actual teammates had said, no, it's not fair. Um, we're putting ourselves in danger. And that's what needs to happen. Um, and, yeah. you know, we say this a lot on Open Line, me and Rick, but I've got no problem. If you're in your, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, even in your late 20s, and you want to change and you want to dress however you want, and you yep. want to have any operation you want, go ahead. You know, I've got no issue with that. It's the children. Um, we mm -hmm. need to protect them and we need to safeguard them. So this, for me, is very, very good news. Um, this shouldn't be pushed in schools. If anything, you know, uh, we, we should we should be saying in schools, um, you know, let you know let's think about our identity we don't really know who we are till we're 18 we need to wait till we're an adult and uh that shouldn't be just about gender that should be about everything we're all learning i'm learning still at 41 years old i make mistakes every day you know we should be telling children uh that that you know we make mistakes we don't know who we are we're learning about that certainly not that you're in the wrong body if you don't feel very happy so uh yeah positive that they're pushing that now and hopefully mm. that will be changed in schools uh, so thank you Gemma again for bringing that to us we've got to take a quick uh, break and then we're going to talk about uh, COVID and the US Army afterwards here at TNT you should hear what Patrick Henningsen's talking about. So all the Israelis are really escalating air attacks and bombing attacks uh, to a degree that we haven't even seen before. Why this escalation? Why is it happening right now? This is a big problem. And this has been going on now for four weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And still no calls for a ceasefire, no definitive or categorical calls anyway from the U.S. leadership, from those who, from the onset, let's face it, they were backing this military action by Israel uh, on the Gaza Strip. And everybody thought, well, how bad could it be? How long could it go? Here we are. A month later, we're still here. We're still talking to you. We're still reporting this. And another hospital was uh, hit last night as well. Well over 30 medical facilities and hospitals have been uh, hit and uh, taken out of action. In some cases, pulverized by the Israeli occupation forces or the IDF, as it's uh, widely known. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion! 
religion and freedom of speech! Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Welcome back. I've been uh, checking the online chat. I'm very disappointed. I've not got much sympathy for my Lurgy. But uh, just to warn you, I think Rick may have the hiccups. Uh, So if there's a few hiccups along the way, uh, you'll understand. Yeah. Um, We've got a story here uh, from uh, the U.S., Uh, The army has been sending letters to soldiers booted out from service for refusing the COVID vaccine. And guess what? Can you come back now, please? I'm sorry we chucked you out uh, and coerced you to try and have an experimental medication. But we're desperate now because we can't get people to come and join us. So please come back. Would you think you would, Rick, if you were offered that letter? Hell no, absolutely not. And it's interesting, right at the bottom of this article, which we're going to dig into a little bit here, but right at the bottom of the article, it tells you how many soldiers have actually taken up the US Army on their offer. So apparently there was around about 8,000 letters sent out to people that had lost their jobs because they refused the COVID injections. And of the 8,000 begging letters that the recruitment uh, office have sent out, apparently only 43 people have responded. So roughly 7,950 of the 8,000, Natalie, have told the US Army to go forth and multiply. Only 47, less than 50, have actually responded and wanted their old jobs back. And this is against a backdrop of recruitment crisis within the US Army at the minute. They haven't got enough people uh, you know, in the ranks. And so they're having to go back on the people that they kicked out which, let's face it, was always going to be the way. If you reduce your army by eight, ten thousand 10,000 people, you're going to have a big hole there that they haven't been able to fill. So they're begging, they're rattling their cup, and only 47 people have responded out of the 8,000 people that were written to you. I think that tells a story in and of itself. Yeah, and no chance. Um, um, as many people might know who've been listening to the show for a while, I had to hand in my resignation. I was working at a special needs nursery. I was uh, basically uh, told I needed to uh, get the vaccine. Um, I had to wear a mask. I didn't agree with the way the children uh, were being treated. And uh, I wouldn't go back now if they begged me. Um, you know, if, if for me, if you've been treated that badly, you're a mug. You know, that you go back, they're going to treat you exactly the same. They're showing their true colours. But interestingly enough, uh, me and Rick have talked about uh, there was a very uh, good video back of some British policemen once uh, running um, to try. I think I think it was a convoy, maybe. Yeah, they were cycling. Some of them were on bikes and they were so unfit. You know, yeah. Big beer bellies hanging over uh, in their police uniform, hanging over their bicycles. Uh, But this uh, uh, was a fact that come out of this article um this came at the same time that defense department data showed that 68 percent of active duty military members are overweight or obese the obese category has more than doubled in the previous decade as well in 2012 the rate was 10.4 percent but has jumped to 21.6 percent and that's actually for people who are frontline army military so <clears throat> that's how desperate they are you could you can now apply for the US army right 
massively obese and they're still going to take you. They don't care now. If you haven't had a COVID vaccine and you can be massively obese, they'll take anyone now. They're that they'll desperate. Take you. Do you know what they yep. need? They need, uh, the, if you've seen Full Metal Jacket, uh, they need Lee Emery, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in there. You remember there was a big fat guy in their private pal, and uh, he was fond of snacking on jelly donuts in the middle of the night. So he was, uh, he, everyone else paid the price for his lack of discipline. And it seems yeah. to be these days, as you've rightly pointed out, uh, and it's the same whenever I'm walking around, you see cops out and about. Used to be, and I'm not being, listen, no one's perfect, okay? We could all be a little bit healthy and we could all look a little bit better. Let's be honest about it. But when you're in a, a frontline position, especially when you're trying to protect people or defend the law, you should at least have a level of physical fitness there that you can at least run the length of yourself. And as you rightly pointed out, there's an obesity epidemic within the US military at the minute. And just one more thing with numbers here, uh, you said there's 68% of active duty members. Now, these are uh, active duty frontline members or people that could be deployed into combat are overweight or obese. Uh, the obesity category has more than doubled in the last decade. In 2012, it was only 10.4%. In 2022, uh, it jumped to 21.6%. And the targets that they have for recruitment at the minute is roughly 15,000 people that they need to bring into the ranks. So the way they tried to address half of that shortfall was to get the old people back, but that's not happening. Only 43 out of over 8,000 people are coming back. So where they're going to plug this gap from, Natalie, is anybody's guess. There's not even ex-military who have already been vetted are responding to this. So what, what chance do they have of getting new blood in? What chance do they have? And it, and it's a real concern for me because I think this is happening in, in, in the UK as well with the police force. We've seen it in Ireland as well uh, with the police force and army. You know, there used to be quite stringent rules who could join uh, fitness levels. I mean, I would never mm -hmm. be able to. For those that know, mm -hmm. I've had um, two uh, operations on both my Achilles tendons. So I'm in some ways almost marked disabled because <clears throat> I'm, um, I am I can't get about, I can't run, uh, even walking can be difficult. I'd be an absolutely rubbish police uh, police woman, wouldn't I? <laughs> Sorry, I can't run to get you. Um, I might, so, you know, I might overstretch or, or, or in the army, but, you know, I've got one son that's managed to uh, uh, join the cadets. Now, mm -hmm. my other son is so severely disabled, right, that it, it would be pointless. He wouldn't be able to do the marching. Um, but at this point, I'm wondering if if they'd even say, come along. It can't do any harm. You know, it, it, it's, it's, we're, it's making a mockery. It's making a joke out of everything, isn't it, Rick? There's a, if you can, or if I can find it, I'll send it to you. But there's a recruitment video that they showed from two years ago for, between the US military and the Russian military. They showed two two-minute recruitment videos. And the one for the Russian military was awe-inspiring. They were like machines, fit, tight men handling their weapons for the US recruitment it was hi i'm really happy to join the military i have two mommies and they're both very proud of me and then it shows you this little girl graduating through military school getting her beret from a man dressed up as a woman who's acting as uh, a general in the u.s army it's completely screwed up and listen i'm not being sexy women could be as good as if not better soldiers than men but let's be honest to be in the military it's not a soft fluffy little thing that people do just to tick boxes and have diverse Hires. If you're going to be fighting for your country and potentially fighting for your own life here, you have to be serious about your physical, <clears throat> excuse me, your physical fitness and your dedication to the job. So compare and contrast Russia versus American or Chinese military recruitment and you'll see the difference. So it seems like I'm passing my lurgy. 
uh, down to yeah. Rick. Drawing, yeah. Maybe we've uh, got, we've got a new uh, computer COVID virus happening uh, as we speak at TNT at TNT Radio. We have to take a quick uh, headline break, and we've got two stories from Wales to cover here at TNT Radio. Here's the news. TNT Radio News. News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Big news out of Gaza. Israel has approved a four-day ceasefire, agreeing to release 150 Palestinian prisoners in exchange for 50 hostages held by Hamas. Fox News has sent the White House into a spin, blowing up brutal polling results showing Donald Trump crushing Biden across the country. And two commercial ships owned by the same company involved in Sunday's hijacking in the Red Sea have changed their course. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, Mark Drakeford. Not mm. our favourite person. Uh, so we've got two stories here where we'll start with uh, the uh, one about motorists. We know Mark Draper uh, has a war on motorists at the moment, uh, but I'll be interested in the next one is, is a bit more um, debatable. Uh, it's got its pros and cons. It's about the uh, summer holidays and they're going to cut those. So uh, we'll leave that till last. But this one... Uh, how hypocritical. So after saying all motorists have uh, got to go to 20 miles an hour, apparently they're going to make buses exempt in Wales in order to push public transport. So um, it doesn't matter if a bus does 20 miles an hour, their carbon emissions are fine, but not you if you do it in your car. And then uh, to top it as well, in Cardiff, uh, he's going to start pushing ULES charges. Now, they were going to do it originally for a larger area for £2. Now they've decided they can make more money by doing £3 for the main central area and, uh, yeah, just making more money and more people angry in Wales. That's what he seems to like to do, Rick. Yeah, this, uh, well, if he does bring in a three quid ULES charge, uh, he shouldn't be bringing it in at all. But Wales is getting off. I'm very surprised, actually, he's going as low as three quid. Because, as we know, the ULES charges in London are around about £12.50 a day, plus uh, plus higher amounts if you don't pay them within a certain amount of time. So for Drakeford to lowball Wales uh, on three quid, I'm very surprised by that. Maybe he's mellowing out in his old age. And this whole business, as you rightly pointed out about the buses, uh, they can go above 20 miles per hour. Of course, this was introduced uh, to, to, to allegedly uh, increase road safety, to stop people dying on Welsh roads. And uh, he estimated it would save the Welsh NHS at least £90 million a year or a billion pounds almost over 10 years. That's why the speed limits were cut. And of course, the Welsh public are up in arms about this. Uh, there was people, there was over half a million people signed a petition to take to the Senate to overturn this. And Drakeford simply uh, listened to what was said. And then he said, no, I'm not changing anything. We need time for this debate in and you people need time to get used to this. So also remember, Natalie, more people voted against this policy than actually voted for Drakeford at the last election to be elected as the Scottish or the Scottish, the, the Welsh Prime Minister, the Welsh First Minister. So he pays no attention to what anybody says. And of course, remember, this is the guy who wanted to separate uh, your meal deal in Sainsbury's. He didn't want you having crisps with your sandwiches at lunchtime. This is the kind of man 
that Mark no. Drakeford is. So yeah, he's trying to utilize. He's, he's done the 20 miles per hour. I shudder to think what's next for the poor Welsh motorists. Yeah, uh, and uh, this was all uh, done by an independent research uh, body, apparently, but I think it was funded somehow by the government, obviously, uh, mm. despite calling it independent. But the Welsh government, it says, has a target to have 45% of all journeys done by public transport and active travel by 2040. I think they're missing the point. Like, if you have certain jobs, if you're a builder or if you're uh, a workman and you've got a... a an amount of tools that you need in your van you can't get on the bus so there are certain jobs i don't care how much they're going to push it that you just can't get on the bus i don't know what they're going to do like like a, a certain type of like manual labor like bus <laughs> where you got to load up all, all everything you need for the day it, it is just ridiculous uh but the second story though this this one's a bit more debatable be interesting to see in the online chat what people think Wales school summer holidays could be cut by one week now originally i thought that when i read the story it was going to be cut completely but they intend to add it to october instead so uh one week less in the summer and uh one week into october uh personally uh for me um i've always struggled with the summer holidays i'm i like routine uh my children prefer routine they like to be at school it, it doesn't sound that bad for me uh but other people are saying well well cut Come on, this is, you know, not everybody struggles in the summer holidays. This is our only time to spend some time with the kids when we can book a holiday, when we can go away. We want it in the nice weather. We don't want a week of miserable October. Or maybe some people do because you can get cheaper holidays um, if you book them abroad, if they still let us travel, Rick. What do you think on this one? Well, I mean, they're trying, to say, they're trying to say it's all for the children's benefit. Um, yeah, but, uh, but normally when is. they say that it's for the children's benefit, it will be benefiting them in some way. When policies are made in schools these days, the last people that are considered when policies are made are the children. But yet when the policies are rolled out, controversial policies, they'll say it was for the children. Now in Northern Ireland, uh, it works a little bit differently. Kids here get two months, Natalie two months off for the summer. So usually the schools yeah. finish in the last week of June and they don't go back until just about the first week of September. So in England, some parts of England, I know it's four weeks, some parts are six weeks. Over here, it's eight weeks. And then they usually get a week at half term, they call it in October for Halloween. And then usually a week to two weeks for Christmas coming into the new year. But think about it too. If you stick an extra week on in October, that means if the schools are coming back in September, that means they've only got five or six weeks That's of it. teaching before they take another two weeks off. And then you're into November and then they only have another four weeks before it's Christmas. And then they're back again in January. So between September and what? January, they've probably only had about six or eight weeks of actual teaching. Most of the time's taken up on holidays. Maybe they should be spread out even further over the year. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, for some people, as you've rightly pointed out, this could be a very welcome thing. Six to eight weeks is too long in the summer, and yeah. a week is maybe too short at half term, and maybe you could get a cheaper holiday maybe uh, if you were yeah, to I mean, take those two Yeah, I mean, I would have off. said the longest term tends to be the summer term. Um, it's quite long from Easter uh, when you uh, have the hot when the, you have the term because uh, sometimes you can have Easter early and you've got to go all the way to July. Mm -hmm. So it mm -hmm. would be more sense it would be more sensible for the two weeks in May if you were if you if you were going to do it. Um, but yeah, um, 
I, I think uh, the six week holidays have always been a bit, bit been a bit odd anyway. Uh, but the main thing that they've said, uh, which won't surprise you, it's the poor teachers, the poor teachers that will suffer the most because they're struggling with recruitment. So if they take away uh, the six week holiday, they're frightened that they're going to uh, attract even less people uh, to come in as teachers. So they're almost admitting that the six week holiday is the main re- reason that people become teachers rather than want to actually help help and educate children, Rick. Imagine getting six weeks off. And that's not per oh. year. That's just in the summer holidays or in North. Listen, over here, it's eight weeks, eight weeks. So they get eight weeks off during the summer here. Then they get a week off at Halloween. Then they get another two weeks off at Christmas. And then another week to two weeks off. Do you know what? I should have been a bloody teacher. In fact, I, I, if it wasn't for the fact that I can't stand young children, uh, especially other people's young children running around me being disrespectful and I've got no patience, period, and I tend not to like people. I'm a little bit of a, a sociopath. Uh, I think I would have been a good teacher <laughs> if it wasn't for all those things, Natalie, because the holidays alone could have helped me to deal with those other issues. It could have went to counselling, maybe. I've got counselling for those other issues, but it would have been almost worth it to get, what, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve weeks off a year thanks very much uh that's starting to sound more attractive by the minute actually this, this story yeah I mean, I mean the te- I, I i i have had uh, uh te- a teacher friends and they do argue that that you know you have to do marking uh throughout oh, and uh, um you know there's lots of lesson planning and stuff to do and i think that does happen in the term time so it's not yeah. when you're you know when you go home yes you do have to work in the evenings but there's no way you're telling me you have to do when you're working those six uh, or off for the summer holidays for six weeks. You are not lesson planning and you are not marking in the summer holidays. You have a whole six week break. There are very few other jobs uh, whether, where you're allowed that. So, you know, uh, for most people, you know, the sympathy doesn't go out to the teachers. And of course, they've been striking as well. And uh, it's, it's the kids that I worry about, uh, not the teachers. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with this summer, with this uh, summer holidays. Personally, I'm all for it six weeks in the summer holidays. Um, by the top, by by the by the end of the six weeks, I'm struggling. So if if you want to change it up a bit, that's fine by me. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and uh, then we're going to be talking about potholes here at TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. CNN and PBS, home to probably the most consistent, vile, anti-Israel on-air personality I've seen, Christiane Amanpour, and she was at it again last weekend giving Hamas's numbers of dead and injured inside Gaza, which elicited this response from senior Bibi Netanyahu advisor Mark Regev. There's no other independent verification for those numbers, and so we have to presume they're exaggerated. And secondly, they give you no differentiation between of the people who have been fatalities, whether they were Hamas uh, terrorists, and it's good that they were killed if they were, and between civilians caught up in the crossfire. And watch Amanpour confirm the media's historic bias towards the terrorists known as Hamas. In history, nobody's questioned these numbers. In all the previous, uh, and Hamas was always in charge, all the previous operations, nobody questioned their numbers. Bizarre, but there's more. When Regev warns uh, against believing Hamas, that half the children, that half the people who passed are children, Amanpour tells why we should believe them. Well, we've seen the pictures, okay? And we did this last week together. We've seen the pictures and it is causing huge unrest and disquiet. So the pictures, pictures that she's seeing confirms the death toll number of children? Nothing but propaganda. 
Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you, listen. TNT. Yeah, welcome back. Lisa makes a great point in the online chat. Politicians have more time off. Yes, they do. And they are even more overpaid. So, yeah, a good point well made. Um, potholes. Um, uh, lots of people were laughing on Twitter at a, a post uh, that Rishi Shanet put up. It was a it was a bit like a children's uh uh post yeah we want to be able to get where we want to go without disruption this is why we're investing 8.3 billion to fit in potholes potholes and repair our roads but while he did that um, um it was uh it wrote in a line and uh then it came down um to show it like a pothole and people were like are you 12 what can you can you just not write normally? You don't need to show us that uh, that you're trying to repair hot potholes by uh, changing the writing. But yeah, um, and then there was another picture of him standing uh, by uh, a road pointing at a pothole with four people in suits and uh and when i first saw this picture i hadn't realized it had been edited um people were like why is rishi's shoes so big because they look like clown shoes and uh yeah i was caught out on that one um yet he's his 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 feet weren't actually uh the size of uh clown shoes uh so that 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 one had got me he is just a clown uh not his feet uh but there's a story from my uh local town uh Red west uh, Berkshire Council is going to use AI to predict where potholes will appear. Uh, artificial intelligence is being used to predict predict them. The pilot run in West Berkshire Council will use technology to digitally capture roads conditions and anticipate where uh, they might come in the future. Inspection vehicles are going to be mounted with cameras, uh, logging conditions of roads and traffic signs. Uh, they haven't said how long this is uh, going to go on this trial and how much it's going to cost. But I don't know about you, Rick, but right now, yeah, it's important potholes get sorted. But I think that the NHS, maybe, uh, you know, the support services, mental health, all those things would be more important than uh, standing uh, by a pothole with your clown shoes. 
<laughs> you know, the only the person in the UK that has the biggest issue with potholes is her very own Darren Denzel. Okay, so <laughs> Dee Dee lives in Plymouth and Dee Dee doesn't even drive a car. And Dee Dee is absolutely incensed by the pothole problem that's currently happening in Plymouth. <laughs> right? So that shows you how, how, how emotive this subject can be, even for non-drivers. But this here thing that uh, 10 Downing Street put out with Rishi Sunak, where he said, this could be the last picture you ever see of a pothole pointing at a pothole. I'm racking my brains, Natalie, to think of, I've never seen a picture of a politician pointing at a pothole ever, uh, let alone it be the last one that I actually see. And as far as this AI goes, listen, around here, what happens is there are certain uh, roads, like if a road's been freshly laid and freshly tarmacked, you know you're not going to have any pothole issues with it. If a road hasn't been maintained by the council for decades after, and they know where these roads are, it makes sense that they're probably suffering a little bit of wear and tear and they already have an issue there. And what they do where I live, they send a man out with a little can of yellow spray paint and he finds a pothole and he sprays a square around the pothole and then yeah. what's supposed to happen is a team are supposed to come out with tarmac and you know road rollers and fill those potholes in and roll them down and then bish bash bosh there's no problem the problem is the teams very rarely get there so you just have a guy driving around the town <laughs> spraying the road with yellow paint highlighting where all the issues are and then the issues don't actually get dealt with so maybe if they employ ai it will identify these areas but the problem doesn't seem to be the identification right now. The problem seems to be there's no resources to actually get teams out and fill these damn things in in the first place. So identifying it's one thing, but I think they need to put more focus on actually fixing the ones that are already there rather than identifying oh. potential new ones to come out, you know? Well, to be honest, um, I'm, I drive um, uh, quite a lot around Reading and the pothole problem isn't that bad. The problem that I've got, I can have a Natalie rant now, mm -hmm. is the road works. And so I'm not really too yeah. happy about this uh, proposal because Reading traffic is notoriously bad. I mean, honestly, it can take an hour to get from one side of Reading to another. There, every single time I travel somewhere, there is a new set of road works. And is there ever a man actually doing anything? any work no they just close off the road for days and nobody is doing anything and it's like they are deliberately trying to wind me up i have to put stuff in my car like to actually keep me entertained as i get as i hit another road works problem um and i think that is the issue they, they are making driving uncomfortable they don't want to make it attractive uh they said a lot of people said you know sometimes they used to do it from january till april to use up their budget oh no this has been now for months and months and months it's like a running joke in reading oh here we go another one the, the one time oh they're doing the waterworks or this time it'll be the electric the next this time it'll be potholes then i won't be able to move around in reading you know they are making driving really really difficult so when i see this story i see the opposite i see it as an excuse to make driving more difficult they're just going to be closing off roads left right and center saying they're going to be actually fixing potholes when actually they're just going to close the road off and there'll be nobody fixing anything so that's i i i feel i feel your aggravation with the the lazy <laughs> workers i mortified my daughter about a month ago was driving her home from a place and we got stuck in this horrendous tailback and i thought has there been an accident has someone died or what's happening has the road been flooded no it was just simply road works were going on they'd filtered everybody down to one lane and when we finally arrived at the site 
of the roadworks. There was about seven men standing around looking at their mobile phones. No work being done, no action being taken. And I actually put the window down uh, in the car. And let's just say, give them some encouragement to get off their phones. My daughter was absolutely mortified. And Ben Elton, who I am not a fan of, but I remember, I'll never forget this. It's stuck in my head from the 80s. I remember hearing an old uh, comedy sketch he did about roadworks. And he said, you know, when you get the uh, roadworks, they have these signs, these triangular signs up with a man with a shovel and it says work in progress he says those all need to be changed to f all in progress uh beside every set of uh, council roadworks that are actually going on because there's sweet fa being done so yeah i'm not a big fan either and uh, it does get my blood pressure up when you arrive at the scene of the blockage and you realize that no work or they're sitting in their van eating their lunch and it's three o'clock in the afternoon come on give me a break and, and what's worse for us people in Reading, we had one uh, just by the M4 junction by Reading. Uh, we had a lane closed there for literally about six months to a year because of the smart motorways coming. So we were literally always down to 50 miles an hour on the motorway. And then they announced that they're, they're scrapping the smart motorways. So you've been ruining our lives for the last year. And it was for nothing anyway. Never mind, eh? And just keep doing your own work so you can tell I'm annoyed about it. But there you go. What story See, are we going to end with? But here's <laughs> one more. One more. Just before, because uh, I, I, I meant to say this like months ago, but it slipped my mind. But the last place I lived in, in the mornings when it was starting a little bit later, I used to walk into town get myself a coffee and walk back up again and then do the show. But when I was walking down into town, there was one van parked in the same place every morning with two men sitting in it. And they were there, you know, when I passed them, when I got the coffee and came back, they were still sitting in the van. And one day one of them got out and he had this uh, like lance, this red hot lance. And you know what his job was? It was to remove little bits of chewing gum from the pavement. But they went to the same place Every single day, and there must have been, it was a particularly bad part of the road, but there was loads of chewing gum, but they were there for six months, Natalie, every morning for two hours, and the chewing gum never went away. And I kid you not, I used to be in disbelief at that. And of course, I've been guilty of slacking off in my previous jobs and one thing and another, so I can't, I can't cast too many stones here, but some of this stuff, it's hard to believe they're actually getting paid to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, sometimes I just believe that the councils uh, get given a fund and uh, they just want it desperately spent, whether the work needs doing or not. Uh, so going uh, talking about roads to uh, another uh, road issue. Uh, this time, uh, the UN is criticising severe Just Stop Oil sentences. So uh, this, uh, we know Just Stop Oil have been all over the roads causing disruption. Uh, these protesters caused traffic gridlock, uh, scaling the Dartford Crossing Bridge uh, for almost 40 hours. Um, and uh, they've been done with a public nuisance offence and actually jailed, uh, I think it's for three years and two years. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do we think of this, uh, Rick? Uh, is, well, is, is... well, the judge yeah, the you... judge has said, listen, we need to send a message out that this is not acceptable. This is the problem. We need to send a message out. And whilst they may hack us off, no end, that they're hanging off the Dartford Bridge and causing tailbacks for 40 hours and causing everybody misery, surely that problem could have been resolved within the space of 40 hours. Don't tell me with all the resources yes. that the cops have and all the resources that are available to the councils that they couldn't deal with this problem within a 40 hour period. And again, if the men are climbing up a bridge 
which is a stupid thing to do, a risky thing to do. They're risking their own lives. You know, that's their choice. Why all the traffic had to be stopped as a result? I suppose if the, they fell off the bridge, maybe landed on a car, went through a windscreen, they could have injured or killed someone, let alone themselves. That means everybody else had to suffer as a result of it. So I think this is sending out a message and it's akin to the so-called January the 6th protesters or the insurrection that occurred in the Capitol Hill on January the 6th after Trump uh, failed in his bid against Joe Biden. Some of those guys have got 19, 20 year prison sentences. And one one guy actually committed suicide because he took a plea deal to say, yes, I was there. And then he was charged with terrorism, told he was going to maybe do 10 years. He committed suicide. So that was simply to send a message out, mess with us, and you could do three years in jail just for climbing up Dartford Bridge. I think it's a bit heavy handed, although those just stop oil people irritate the hell clean out of me. I see. I just wonder, I've written in my notes, I we know a lot of the just step oil uh, protests are set up and planned. Yeah. I've read this article and I wonder if these sentences are too. Because, um, you know, these particular people, have they taken one for the team? Did they know that they were going to go on the Dartford crossing? Did they know they were going to take a prison sentence? Because this is now the start of things to come. If these people can get done and put away uh, uh, for for protests, what can happen in the future? Uh, you know, that it happens at the moment for just just stop all. You know, what if what if we start protesting in the future against more draconian laws? Um if, if they can do that, what what could we get? Like you like you said, it, it it makes me feel quite uncomfortable because really they should have just been taken down immediately. Um, but uh, it says as well, the letter goes on to say, this is from the UN, uh, that the new Public Order Act, which came to force in July, appears to be a direct attack on the right to the freedom of peaceful assembly. Uh, so as it goes on, um, you know, it, it does almost all, all discuss what we're saying that they almost are trying to stop these protests that's kind of part of the reason possibly these people have been sentenced you want to know the ultimate hypocrisy in this story the ultimate hypocrisy so in response to the united nations as you've just uh, brought up uh, the government said that the right to protest is fundamental but the law-abiding majority must be able to go about their daily lives so this is a deterrent what happened between 2020 and 2022, the law-abiding majority of the United Kingdom, which is us and Ireland, were not able to go about their daily lives because of governmental overreach, lockdowns, and so on and so forth, destroying our lives, mental health and economy, and everything else. So it's hypo- it's total hypocrisy to say that these people are being made an example of because they're disrupting people's right to normal everyday life. That's what the government did for two years. And this lady, Chief Justice Lady Carr, defended the census, saying they met a legitimate aim of deterring others from such offences. Well, let's apply that to our government. Let's apply jail sentences to them for disrupting the majority of law-abiding people's lives. None of them are in the dock. This COVID uh, inquiry is just a a sham, as you rightly pointed out earlier on. It's a sham. We need to see them doing jail before we see two protesters hanging off a bridge doing uh, jail. and for that reason, you know, I agree we should have the right to protest, but we shouldn't stop mm-hmm. other people. If I want to go and protest and I stop everybody getting to work in London for, mm-hmm. for the week, that's not acceptable. You should be able mm-hmm. to protest, but it shouldn't affect others' life. And like you said, that's exactly what the government did for free. Well, it was for nearly three years on and off. So uh, they are the real criminals here. And this does certainly look set up. Um, it's nearly time for us to go. I hope you've enjoyed seeing our faces on video and we're not scaring 
something scaring you away too much. Now you can see what we actually look like. Um, I'm actually going to go, uh, and, and I'm a Grinch too. I'm going to start some Christmas shopping today as much oh. as I despise it. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get, get it over and done with so I don't hate it so much. Uh, but carry on listening to Rick uh, at Locked and Loaded. I will be back uh, same time here tomorrow uh, at 9 a.m. Have a great day, everyone. Go out there, uh, live in the real world. Uh, as I said, life is short um, and we need to go out there and enjoy it. Bye, Z, bye.